Have you ever wanted to be part of an epic story? Have you ever wanted to be a Jedi master fighting the Galactic Empire? Or have you ever imagined yourself as a wizard fighting the Dark Lord Voldemort? Or perhaps have pretended to be a member of the Fellowship of the Ring protecting Frodo on his way to Mordor? Have you ever wanted to be a part of an epic story? What if I were to tell you that you already are? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. So a lot of you guys know me, but a lot of you guys don't. And some of you might be wondering, why on earth would Aaron ask this guy to come up and preach when he's here? And I'll tell you, it's because I was raised here. And what I mean by that is, yes, I was born in Estes Park, but I was raised in the church. My family has been in the church for several generations. When I was born, a week later, Rocky Mountain Church started as a Bible study in my mother's living room. I was raised in the church. And beyond that, my mother had a puppet team ministry where she had puppets telling Bible stories to youth all over the nation. I was raised in ministry. When I was six years old, my family decided to start attending here. I'm almost 25 now. We've been here for almost 20 years. I was raised in this church. This is my church family. You guys are my family. I was raised here. And beyond that, as we have been here, my mother has taken on herself the task of being a teacher for the children. Right now, even, she's downstairs trying to guide young people into Christ's arms. I was raised in ministry. It is a legacy in my family. And beyond even that, when I was 13 years old, Aaron started mentoring me, discipling me. Some of you may remember in the Say Yes uh, series that Aaron had just a couple weeks ago, he mentioned a discipleship program. That is exactly what he did with me. So from 13 years old until I graduated high school, I met with Aaron every week. Aaron baptized me. He walked through several books of the Bible with me, teaching me what it means to be a Christian. I learned from Aaron. And when it came time for me to choose which college to go to, Aaron encouraged me to go to Ozark Christian College, the same school that he went to, and that Scott went to before him, who was the pastor before Aaron. Ministry runs through my blood. Ministry runs through my spirit. I am here because I was raised to be here. I have been at Ozark for about six years now, training to do exactly this, to stand up and to teach, because that is what I want to do. I want to impart the knowledge that has been given to me to other people. And that is why Aaron asked me to preach, because I was raised here. And it's a good place to be raised. So now you guys know a little bit of my story. You know a little bit of who I am, and that's good this is all part of the epic story that we are all involved in. Last week, Aaron talked about Paul when he was in Jerusalem, when he was doing a uh, ceremony to show contrition, a ceremony to show that he is a Jew, that he is not against the Jews, and yet some Jews found him and accused him and attacked him and beat him. Then the Romans came to save him. So I'm going to continue this story. Before Paul is taken into the barracks, he asks the centurion if he can speak to the crowd. And he does so saying this. 
Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. And when they heard him speak in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Now this is important because what you may not know is that before this, Paul is speaking Greek. Now that would be like if I'm standing up here and talking in Spanish. Many of you would understand what I'm saying, but many more would not. Greek was a common language then, but Aramaic was the native tongue of the Hebrews, the native tongue of the people who were attacking him and accusing him. So when he started speaking in Aramaic, they stopped to listen. Much like if I was speaking in Spanish and then switched to English, then you would understand what I'm saying. And so he continues. Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city, I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I'm going to stop there for a second and mention Gamaliel. He's a big name in this time. The equivalent that we could understand in our time would be if I were to say I was taught and trained by Einstein. Huge mind. Very well known. Hugely influential in their culture. A very important man. And Paul was trained by him. That's a big deal. Paul continues, I, was perse- I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council themselves can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Now, this is an interesting defense. All these people have just started to attack you, and when they are finally stopped, the first thing you say is, hey, I'm one of you guys. And this is my story. This is who I am. This is where I come from. And the Jews, of course, are sitting there and like, yeah, we know this guy. Why were we beating him again? But he continues. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. This is an interesting part of the story. Can you imagine what it would have been like for any of the people involved in this, especially Paul? There's suddenly a bright light and everything changes. You understand a little bit more about the world. I don't think I could say anything remotely to the same. With one exception... Ozarks in Missouri, never seen a tornado before. Now that I have, I understand a little bit of the fear about them. But seeing the brilliance of God and going blind by it would be really cool. This is an epic story. But it doesn't end there. It continues, A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Can you imagine that? Having something happen to you that that makes it so that you can't do anything alone, and someone comes up 
and says, you can see again. That would be really cool. This is an epic story. This is a really epic story. It continues. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. The story continues. You would think that it would end there as a cliffhanger, but no, the story does not end. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. When the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. The Jews that Paul is talking to remember this. These were the same people who did this. These were the same people that he held the cloaks for. He is telling them, I am one of you. This is my story. This is who I am. This is where I come from. But this epic story doesn't end. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now, of course, the crowd was sitting there because they thought that he was trying to bring Gentiles into the temple. And now he's actually admitting that he's going to the Gentiles. Well, that's just going to make them angry again. They're like, why were we be- This is why we were beating him. Okay. So the crowd listened to Paul until he said this, raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. I can't imagine the discouragement that would come from that. It would be like if I were to finish my sermon up here and then all of you stand up together and say, He's a heretic! Get him out of here! That would be such a discouragement. This is a low point in the story, but the story doesn't end. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks, flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. I have to imagine that you've got to be really angry to be throwing dust in the air by taking off your cloak. So like take off your jacket and throw it on the ground, but you're throwing it so hard that dust is flying everywhere. These people are mad. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. And as they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? Well, this is interesting stuff. <laughs> so Paul is being beaten up by all these people outside the barracks, and then the Roman soldiers come and they're like, This guy's causing problems. Let's beat him up some more. That's not fun. But there's a reason for this. And that reason is called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. The Romans had this idea that anywhere they went, they brought peace with them. And if you messed with that peace, they were going to come down on you hard. But then Paul asks if it's legal for them to flog a Roman citizen. When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do? He asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. 
Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship. And Paul replied, but I was born a citizen. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately, and the commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. This is really important. Because as a Roman citizen, Paul represented Rome. Anything that happened to a Roman citizen would be done to whoever did that. As a Roman citizen who was beaten, all those who beat him would be beaten. If the Romans were to flog him as a Roman citizen, they would be flogged as well. Whatever you did to a Roman citizen, you did to Rome, and they did not stand for it. So now these Romans, they have this conundrum. There's a guy who's disrupting the peace of Rome, but he's Roman. Rome is disrupting Rome's peace. What do we do about this? And of course, they're terrified. Because whatever they do to Paul will be done to them. Now, I will point out as well that the commander is also a citizen, but there's a difference. In the Roman society, there's a hierarchy of your status as a person. The lowest rung is a slave. You have absolutely no rights. You are property. Someone else owns you. Someone else controls everything about your life. Next up would be a freedman, someone who was once a slave or has never been a slave, but is just a regular person. You have some rights. You can own property, but that's about it. The next up is going to be a citizen themselves, and there are three types of citizens. There's the citizen who pays for their citizenship. They have minimal rights. They have the basic legal protection. Basically, they would have that, um, the Miranda rights when you get arrested. That's it. That's all they had. And then you have someone who was granted their citizenship. If the emperor or a powerful senate member liked you enough, or if you'd served in the military and had a distinguished career, you would be awarded citizenship. And that would allow you not only to have property, not only to have like basic rights, but you could also sit in on city councils and vote on issues. Pretty good stuff. But then you have the highest tier of citizenship, the highest privilege and power and prestige and protection, and that is a born citizen. Not only could a born citizen own property, not only could a born citizen sit in on councils and vote on issues, they could actually be political office members. Your influence as a Roman citizen who was born was far greater than that of any other. So when the centurion says to Paul, I had to pay a lot of money, and Paul says, I was born, there's a huge difference. As a born citizen... Paul had a higher station than even that centurion. Paul had greater protection than that commander of this whole legion army. If anything happened to Paul under his command, he and all his men would have the exact same thing happen to them, even though he was also a citizen, because Paul was higher up. It's really interesting stuff. So, of course, the Romans are confused. They don't know what to do about this. So the commander, wanting to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, so the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. If a Roman is disturbing the Roman peace, what else can you do but find out why? This is really interesting. It's an epic story. I'm sure many of you are sitting there wondering, well, why does this matter? 
This happened 2,000 years ago. It's a cool story. It's really interesting, but how does it apply? Here's the interesting thing is this epic story never ended. This epic story continues with each and every one of us. We are a part of this epic story. While we may not be written about in the scripture, we are still Christians. We are still a part of this. We are still continuing this story. So there's two main things that I want you to take away from it. The first one is your own story. When Paul was attacked and beaten, he had a couple of options for what he could do to the crowd. As a Roman citizen, he could have them beaten. As a Jew, he could beat them over the head with their own laws. Like, this is not how you treat someone. And it says so right here in the Old Testament. But instead, he tells them his story. His defense was for them to know who he was and to know the God he served. Because your story is very, very powerful. And every one of you have a story as well. It is part of this epic, overarching story. Every one of you can tell someone how you came to be, how you came to faith. And the second thing is that you are a citizen of heaven. Through Christ, you were born again. You are a born citizen of heaven. With all the rights, powers, and privilege that come with that. Who has more power than God? Who has more privilege than God? And you have his ear. Every time you pray, you speak to the king of all things. Because you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Because you are his child. You are a part of this epic story. And so we have on the backs of your connection cards some next steps that I would encourage you to take. The first of which is to memorize Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Our memory verses are not just memory verses for no reason. Scripture is powerful. And every piece of Scripture that you bring into your heart, that you make a part of yourself, impacts your story. It'll make your story even more epic than it already is. And we have seen how this changes people, even by Aaron's own testimony, every week as he comes up and gives the memory verse. Scripture changes you. So put it in your heart. The next one is to read Acts 22. I read it to you this morning, but I don't see everything. Scripture is living. Every time you read it, you will see something new, something different. Something that you haven't noticed before. Something that I haven't noticed. Something that Aaron hasn't noticed. Read Acts 22. And you will see something. Something will pop out. And it will make your story even more epic because you can add it to your story. Another step is to consider who you are. Think about the fact that you are a citizen of heaven. Think about all that implies. Think about everything that that gives you. Meditate on it. Realize that you are a citizen of heaven. And think about how that can change your life. How that can change your story. And finally, share your story with someone. It doesn't have to be a defense like what Paul gave. It could be exactly what I did at the beginning of this sermon. I told you my story. 
It's easy. Everyone has one. And it's an epic story. It's a continuing story. It did not end with Paul. It did not end at the end of Scripture. It continues on through us. And it won't even end when we are done. This story is ever-growing. So share it with someone. And make their story more epic as well. And there could be other things that you've thought of while I've been up here and talking. You go ahead and write those on there. Because I can't think of everything. I'm not omniscient. Certainly hope none of you are either. (laughs) But anything that you can do to make your story more epic, I would encourage. Because our stories are epic. Even more epic than anything from Star Wars, from Harry Potter, or from Lord of the Rings. Because our stories are real. And they are powerful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are sovereign. You are powerful. You know all things. It's a wonder to be able to come into your presence and to know that you have made our stories epic. Remind us of that every day, that we are epic people with an epic God that our stories are wonderful. Use them, Lord, to grow more people, to bring glory to your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done for us. Bless us as we go out from this place so that all those that we interact with will see your glory through us and will learn that your story is epic and that our stories are epic and it's ever-growing. In Christ's name that we pray. Amen.